And we're back on Money Talk. I'm Andrew Work, and we're going to welcome to the show right now uh, Mitul Kotecha, who is the Senior Emerging Market Strategist with TD Securities. Welcome back to the show, Mitul. It's been a while. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, we're glad to have you back on. Hey, so, Mitchell, we've been talking a lot uh, on the shows about what central banks are doing. Of course, the U.S. Fed, the ECB. We've even looked at, you know, like we've looked at the Reserve Bank of Australia, Bank of Canada, Bank of Korea. But I have to admit, we haven't been uh, maybe looking at what some of the central banks and some of the emerging markets are doing. That's your, that's your thing. So tell us, what is going on? What are we missing? Well, I think, look, it's a very similar picture for emerging markets. We've got a lot of central banks that have been hiking interest rates in recent months and uh, trying to deal with very, very high inflation. And now we're getting to a point where many of these central banks are also reaching terminal. Um, and I think that's very much the case in Asia. In fact, some central banks, such as China, who are dealing with very low inflation are actually having, not having to even hike rates. But more broadly across EM, we've seen Latin America tighten dramatically. Uh, EMEA, the region there, has been also tightening. And Asia, less so. But we haven't had inflation as such a big problem here. But I think we're now very much near the top of the rate cycle across emerging markets. And now we're looking at the timing of rate cuts. And I mean, for emerging markets, I mean, when the U.S. Fed decides they want to, you know, raise or lower uh, interest rates, they just do whatever they want based on what's happening in their own economy. Um, but I guess emerging markets probably have to be a little more reactive. Even, even in Hong Kong, if we don't follow what the U.S. dollar is doing, uh, you know, money's going to leave uh, and go where the interest rates are higher. Uh, how do emerging markets, I mean, they, they kind of have to look at their domestic economy and, you know, what's happening in the global scene. I mean, how do they man manage that balance? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think in reality, as you say, a lot of emerging markets still look at the Fed. Uh, and that's been a key factor in helping to drive up rates across emerging markets. Because as you say, the Fed is raising rates and we're getting you know, about 5% on U.S. rates. Uh, it's very hard for a lot of emerging markets to contain capital and we see capital outflows. We see pressure on dollar-denominated debt. And so we've had to see a lot of emerging markets also deal with higher U.S. rates. But I think what I would say is compared to previous U.S. tightening cycles and, and strong dollar cycles, uh, emerging markets for the most part have generally been pretty well contained in terms of the pressures that they've had on top of them. So I think only the frontier EM, such as you know, the likes of uh, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Egypt, etc., have been under more pressure. But when you look at the mainstream emerging markets, they've had to deal with higher U.S. rates uh, much better. Uh, than they have in past cycles. And I mean, are they are they wildly out of whack with where the U.S. is? I remember, you know, I remember years ago thinking, hey, maybe I'll take a punt on, uh, you know, Indonesia's 14% <laughs> bonds, you know. Mm. But, but I mean, are, are, are they kind of out of whack at that level now or where, where, where are they at? Well, I think, you know, it depends where you look. I mean, for example, Latin America, we've seen some very, very substantial, I'm talking about 1,000 basis points plus hikes in countries such as Brazil and, and Colombia, et cetera, whereas... In Asia, it's been much less so. So, uh, again, the differentials are, are, are still wide in some countries where you've got low rates in countries such as Korea or Taiwan and China relative to the U.S., and that's mm -hmm. where you see bigger risks of outflows. But Indonesia or India, where you're seeing relatively higher rates, are, be are better protected. Mm. Um, but, but in, you know, in general, um, again, rates... Uh, are not so out of whack. It's not resulted in massive capital outflows mm. uh, because of higher U.S. rates. So, again, I think that pressure has not been exhibited as it would have done in the past. Yeah, and I guess if you're going to play that game, you also got to worry about where the currency goes as well. Um, 
How I mean, so so that's how the EMs react to concerns, about, you know, react to where the U.S. Fed rates are going. But how are they? Are they? Are they? Are they also? Are they also impacted by uh, what's happening in the U.S. banking sector right now? I mean, does what's happening in U.S. regional banks have a, an impact on emerging markets? Yeah, look, I think there is a de- definite concern about the fact that you know the U.S. is sliding into a recession with the banking sector credit tightening. We had these Fed reports overnight highlighting a tightening in lending standards. On top of that, obviously, the impact of higher U.S. rates has also impacted the economy. So, look, it's hard for emerging markets to escape uh, weakness in growth in developed markets, and we're seeing the U.S. weaken uh, because of this. And the banking sector crisis is adding to that credit risk concerns. Um, So in that sense, it's an indirect impact on emerging markets where you you could see weaker U.S. growth impact EM and result in weaker growth there. At the same time, if these issues in the U.S., including the debt ceiling, uh, start to raise risk aversion and and markets start taking more capital out of a riskier assets, such as emerging markets, that could also have a big impact on EM assets. So certainly a lot of indirect links that could be more negative for EM should the situation in the U.S. Uh, worsen further. Gotcha. And, I, you know, so, so there's all that in play. But, I mean, especially for Southeast Asia uh, emerging markets, I, you know, I arrived here. I am in Asia and, you know, ended up building a life here because emerging markets were the hot thing in the late 1990s. You know, now I'm giving away some secrets. Um, but, I mean, they never emerged. <laughs> I mean, they're still, they're still yeah. emerging markets. Um, uh, and I don't remember, you know, and I can't remember. It's been a long time since there's been like a big, you know, emerging markets are hot trend uh, is that is that ever going to happen again or you know like like in the way it did in kind of the late 90s when everybody was like oh you've got to be in malaysia yeah. you've got to be in vietnam like all these places or is it just or is, or is it just the the global economic structure fundamentally different now yeah, I think there's definitely been huge change, right? I mean, many, many emerging markets are hardly emerging at the moment, right? You can't really call Hong Kong or Singapore or no. places like that emerging when their, their GDP per capita is higher than most developed countries. And look, the reality is that, uh, that there are still many emerging countries that are still developing and there is still potential high returns to be had in, in these countries. But look, a, a lot of that has changed. We've seen in particular, look at China where growth, the economy has matured. Uh, it's on a different cycle now where we're probably going to see slower trend growth in the years ahead. So, um, you know, there, but saying that, look, you look at countries such as India, which is still growing strongly, you have a relatively young population. So I think it depends on the country and the region. Uh, and I think emerging markets still offer pretty significant attraction to investors going forward because there are a lot of opportunities. Uh, but look, I think in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of capital outflows from EM uh, on the back of a, a higher U.S. rates and a strong dollar. And that leaves emerging market assets rather underinvested. So I think going forward, you could see that money start to return. I mean, are there good deals to be had in that case? Are, there, are, they, are they, you know, casting about trying to get investment in deals where you could really make a killing? Well, I think there is definitely opportunities, um, whether it's in the equity or bond or infrastructure space. But, yeah, look, I was just, for example, I was in India quite recently, and there is a lot of opportunity for infrastructure investment in the country. Um, and there's a lot of deals across the, I mean, Indonesia, for instance, is another country where we're seeing huge move towards infrastructure spending and development. And so I think EMs still have the opportunities. They're probably not as obvious as they were uh, several years back. Uh, but I think, you know, certainly the opportunities are there. And uh, I think, you know, the, the, the relatively higher yields on offer will help, especially at a time when you've got to compensate for 
U.S. yields at around 5%. I mean, reality is, if you're an investor, you might as well hold U.S. treasuries um, at this time unless you really do compensate, are compensated by much higher yields in EM. Okay, and I guess if you want to get the uh, the inside scoop on exactly which companies, you got to be a client of TD Securities, where Matil Kotecha is a senior emerging market strategist. 